you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's Nerds Podcast number 517 bonus episode what? this week, you guys. Well, we had a lot of people. We're giving too many episodes out. That asked if they could go up this week. And Listeners so I said, you know what? Be Fine. like, what's going on? Why I know. Are so many episodes? We're throwing it off. So many episodes. Four episodes this week. So you're welcome. And I'm sorry if that's too much. Um, uh, before we get to that, I'm doing stand-up in Salt Lake at West Valley City, Utah uh, in the middle of the month. But you're flying into Salt Lake City. I'm flying into Salt Lake City. Yeah, May, I don't know, 16th, 17th maybe, somewhere around there. Go to Nerdist.com slash calendar. The new Nerdist.com. Oh, it is a gorgeous website. It is. I'm and so it's, glad it's it launched. mobile now. Zero problems. Super great. Well, there, you know, listen, there's always maybe a little bug when you're shifting over. <laughs> and maybe that happened. And I'm sorry, okay? You know, we're, <laughs> we're doing our best over here, Matt. Come on, man. Um... This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is sponsored by uh, Blue Apron. What? Blue Apron? Chris, yeah, Blue... I know the folks at Blue Apron. I know when I said when we said when Katie said Blue Apron is a sponsor for this podcast, you were like, "What? They have my credit card." Yep, they sure do. So why don't you tell folks what Blue Apron is? Here's what Blue Apron is. Maybe you like to cook, guys. Maybe you're into that. You like cooking, Jonah? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. What you don't probably like is shopping, right, guys? You, maybe you go out, you forget the parsley. It's in the recipe. You forgot the parsley. Maybe you forget uh, the butter. Maybe you don't have butter lying around. Maybe there's a seasoning you don't have. Well, guess what? So Blue Apron. Are you telling me the Blue Apron will just send you the recipe and all the ingredients, and then you get all to cook? All the exact ingredients you need. If it requires olive oil, it doesn't rely on you to have olive oil in your house. Because a lot of times with food services, they you like if you have food delivery services, you get them, and the food's been made for hours. Yeah. Who wants that? That's and, not fresh. And also, some people, it's very therapeutic to cook oh, so great. it's healthy food you're gonna eat better cook more shop less with blue apron it's 9.99 a meal which is way cheaper than going out to get yeah food. it is 9.99 a meal for two people you wow. can do it three times a week have it delivered these three meals come to your house you like to royalty be it is great that sounds great and it's Skirt a subscription service on the menu this week guys no commitment to the subscription service you can skip a week you can cancel any time with a week's notice and that's it and nurse podcast listeners get an exclusive offer two free meals on their first delivery by going to blueapron.com slash nerdist so it's 20 bucks off right there yeah I mean Matt, Matt Myra has used this service yeah. and loves it I can't believe that we're just giving this stuff away now what, what, what is this how, how did I not know they were sponsoring this? We'll, we'll get you a yeah, well, maybe. We'll, we'll get you maybe a, I'll no. I'll just use the promo code. This uh, episode is Acker and Blacker. Oh, we had so much fun. They're funny. They're when funny. They kids. were on the James Bonding podcast. Go ahead and take They're a look at gents. that. It's on the Nerdist Network. Nerdist Network James Bonding podcast. One of a couple podcasts done by Matthew Myra. Mm-hmm. Phoebe. They, they've been doing more of those episodes <laughs> sure. lately too. Uh, the New York show of Thrilling Adventure Hour is May tenth. 
They have an insane cast list for that one, which uh, we cover in the, oh, in God, the show. It's going to be crazy. In David Letterman's going to be He's in not it. Gonna, it's not going to be David uh, Letterman. Stephen Colbert is going to be not in it. Either, John it's a good Stewart's going to be in it. Be All in these New York-based guys you want They to couldn't see. even get Chris Hardwick to be there. <laughs> see, because I'm here. I would do it if I were in New York. Well, I, I feel like they wouldn't have asked you because that's what they do. Tickets are available on Ticketmaster.com. And here's episode number 517 with Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. The Ben's. Ben Acker. No, it's not the Benz. The Benz was Ben Queller, Ben, ben Folds, Folds, and Ben and Lee. Ben Lee, yeah, I know. This is Acker and Blacker. It's very After different. All, in the end, just pretend. We can't clear that. That was a parody cover. <laughs> After balls. No, no, it's in parody. In the cover. end. Is that what you think parody is? Is that what you think Weird Al does? He just turns things no, into balls? No, he turns things into food. I turn yeah. things into balls. I'm the Weird Al of balls. You see that college humor video? In the cantina set? Yes. The one that we built. Yeah. Yeah, we built that Pretty for, good. Our, for our thing last time. Yeah. Last year. Theirs did a lot better than ours. They're de- <laughs> yeah, College Humor <laughs> shit done better than ours did. <laughs> college Humor's got... They got Weird Al in it. Well, bes- besides that, they also have like 9 million subscribers. Lisa Loeb, you ever heard of her? She's in it. Matt, I've probably, Lisa Loeb, you're, you're aware of this. been inside of her, too. I, that's pretty well, cool. Let's, let's, um... <laughs> what number podcast are we introing right 517. now? 517. 517. Acker and have a good time. Oh, my. Now entering Nerdist.com. Ben Blacker brought cookies. Put them away. He uh, he had to miss the first time we were supposed to record this, so he brought apology cookies, which were not necessary. <laughs> Always necessary. No, it was very. They would have just been regular cookies. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is the difference between a regular cookie and an apology cookie? Taste it and see. Re- uh, oh, I don't know. Mm, salty, salty tears. Oh, oh, okay, tears. <laughs> yeah, eye tears, right? Christopher, what? <laughs> Benjamin. That could theoretically be both of you. I'm waiting to be introduced. Oh, uh, Ben Acker? Hi. <laughs> Hi, podcast. You don't have to wait to be introduced. You can just start podcast talking. etiquette. What? Isn't it? No. You wait till they say your name and then you start. No, that's radio etiquette. This oh. is just podcasting. <laughs> Sorry. We were actually already having a conversation before the podcast started. So. <laughs> Should we start again? Oh, sure. There was a lot of trash talking in that. We Joining did not start me again. <laughs> on today's casting of the pods is uh, writers Benjamin Agger and Hi. Benjamin Blacker. Thank you. Yes. I always put that pod will be cast. Like when I record one, I say, and I tweet about it, I say, this pod will be cast next week. And I always wonder if that's a weird thing or if that's actually how you, an okay way to say oh, it. No. It sounds very Gandalfian. <laughs> this pod <laughs> shall be cast. That feels like you, I feel like you, you need a staff, like you would yeah. have a transmission oh, That's staff. how I tweet. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's how I used to announce it too. The, the pod has cast. Yeah. The, the day has turned. Like it's, <laughs> it, it just feels more respectful to everyone. Exactly. I think. Alea yacta est, the Latin that Caesar said when he was crossing the Rubicon, meaning the die is cast. Mm. What is going on? Sorry. Great it's Caesar's Kate. ghost is calling you. Put that down on the. He <laughs> <laughs> just threw it on the floor. <laughs> We, uh, the, you, your listeners will buy me a new iPhone. <laughs> yeah, of course. Absolutely. A- absolutely. Uh, especially if you send them apology cookies. Oh, they'll get them. You'll Each totally get a new listener. iPhone. <laughs> I had a good time at WonderCon. That was a fun... How was, that was uh, great. What other thrilling adventure stuff did you guys do at WonderCon? Uh, we, did, we just went and did a little signing uh, at the Nerdist booth, which was really fun. Uh, people picked up the graphic novel. 
the Thrilling Adventure Hour graphic novel, which nice. we're excited to get in front of people. I moderated my first panel. What did you moderate? <laughs> I moderated a spotlight panel, which I think is like a prom or something, um, for Kelly Sue DeConnick, the wonderfully talented comic book writer. And how did it go? So good. Um, she, her uh, views and opinions are well documented, so we just hung out for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about the latest Wes Anderson movie. Okay, good, good, good. We and- came up with an idea for, um, I don't know if it's an app or a um, website, but like Andersonify yourself, like your home, your apartment. Like if you want a more periwinkle couch sure. <laughs> to go with your lavender yeah. wall, yeah. like there's a, there should be a website that provides it. Just, so you can actually get the perfect uh, periwinkle. Home. Yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. Thank you. Who, who, what would be the soundtrack to that web? Because obviously oh, a website. Oh, 60s Britpop. Yeah, The Who, David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. And then Mark Mothersbaugh for the moving right. montage. Is it or is it just a bunch of uh, like 20-year-old girls playing a ukulele? <laughs> I'm going to get your <laughs> Just like it's almost like a, it's, it's borderline 20s. Yeah, sounding exactly. it's very sure, it's very tweet remember when the 20s came back in the 60s mm-hmm. it's that it's yeah. that again this is the 60s coming back but from the 20s coming back through yeah, the 60s the depression all wearing matching outfits yeah. yeah 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 it's perfect i think it's perfect and and i think it would do surprisingly better than most people would guess oh absolutely because a lot of people want they want to make twee their apartments <laughs> so what are some other what are some other ways to uh tweeify an apartment I feel like there are those clocks, and maybe this is just a very Grand Budapest hotel, but those mm-hmm. clocks made of oak that are like heavily varnished mm-hmm. with very thin hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a cuckoo clock, too, or just the oh, cuckoo clock? Oh, obviously. Cuckoo clock, yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's tweet as hell for clocks. <laughs> now, when did. <laughs> Welcome to the clock cast. <laughs> oh, have you seen my tweet as fuck t shirt? <laughs> But it has to be in like a like a oh. weird brush script. It's font. yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's yeah. It's somewhere between cursive and calligraphy. Yeah, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. That al- it almost looks like elven writing. Mm-hmm. There's a but, picture of a horse. But on the mistake to keep the mistake in show that it was hand done. Yeah, 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 yeah. It has to, be. and you'd only get it on Etsy. I always felt <laughs> or like or on the Etsy side of town. Yeah, on the on the, somewhere somewhere over there. It's East a, side. The. Uh, <laughs> The, yeah, it used to be really run down, but then they came in and fixed it up. <laughs> it's a bunch of old factories yeah. that they turned yeah, into it's it's macrame. In yeah. the Atari 2600s. <laughs> a lot of yarn stores. Tons of yarn stores, yep. as far as you could see. Um, what, Atari 2600 had that wood, that wood aesthetic, right? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit across the top of the, pa- uh, top of the, the console. The, was the back or was it plastic? Um, I think the back was plastic. I think it was just there was a panel on where the... the Paul F. Tompkins has a wood backing one on the one he keeps in his waistcoat Loves pocket. wood. He yeah. loves wood because he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's got the wooden iPhone. He's got the wooden iPhone case. Um, let's see. What are the... Okay, so yarn. We, we can yarn bomb things. <laughs> well, records. Oh. Record albums. Yes, obviously. record albums would be very... Hold on. <laughs> yarn bomb. Let's not move past that. So <laughs> what? I think we all know what that means. Yarn bombing yeah. for for hipster Halloween. Yes, that's where that's where a bunch of hipsters with like to young prank. girls with granny glasses. <laughs> uh, when you go to sleep, you wake up the next morning, and then uh, like a light post or a parking meter in your neighborhood is now covered in yarn. And they can be like, I and, like that light post before it was yarn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Then they can hipsterize their. Then they can be hipster about the thing that they made afterwards. I liked it before I got to it. I got to it before I. I thought I it was ruined cool it. before I thought it was cool. <laughs> Yeah, they just basically they just yarn. They you know they basically just create yarn around something, but in a very 
professional way. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. It doesn't look shitty or sloppy. It's a good job. Mm-hmm. People yarn bomb bikes. They yarn bomb all sorts of things. Anderson, your town. Yeah, you could totally. West Anderson, your town. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, so we got yarn bombing. What, what is the? Uh, what is? Is there a preferred? Is there a preferred food and beverage of the? Well, craft beer. fuck? Craft beers. Craft beers. Yeah, of course. Yeah, local like home brewing yes, too. Home brewing. Artisanal honeycomb stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's the topping. Made choice. from your own apiary, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's all about the bees. People look into it. <laughs> I birth each and every bee myself. I go out there to see it. <laughs> Yeah, they think I'm a queen, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> hey, we're all queens. You know what right. I mean? We're all queens. No, but just a, one 2014. of those. <laughs> no, okay, all right, okay. Coney bee suits made of, made of yarn. Yep. <laughs> we're we're going to make yarn bees. I think that's Absolutely. the most twee as fuck thing as all is to make yarn bees. Hashtag twee as fuck. Yarn bees. We yarn bombed all these bees. Keep the hashtag going, everyone. <laughs> we yarn bombed this bee, this That's great. Okay, I like this a lot. It, it very much... Have you spent any time in Portland? Yes. So if you go to Mississippi Avenue, like that side of... Yes. Where, which is a great area it's been of yarn bombed. But you could yarn bomb that whole <laughs> side of town, and I think people would be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little hipsterly. Yeah, this, yeah. This, totally, this totally fits. This totally fits. Would you consider yourself twee? I wish. No? No. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm real profound and stuff. So, <laughs> like, it's just not shallow enough, man. But I love a... And I'm a sucker for la la la's. So, like my tastes run twee. La 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 la. <laughs> yeah, not that Danny Elfman shit. No. Then if you want to, then you can drop down like a half a step. La 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 most of your musical tastes were influenced by the Batman theme. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize. I'm a Nelson Riddle fan. Sure. Adam West Batman is kind of twee, right? Because that's sort of 60s. Oh, sure. Those colors are Wes Anderson. Super. Palette. Yeah, <laughs> super. Kapow, bam. Put in Kapow or bam, like in that comic book font on your wall. Is that twee or is that, is that... Is it? Is it uh, Lichtenstinian instead yeah. of Andersonian? It might be too Lichtenstinian to be twee as fuck. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm very excited about Twee as fuck as a concept. <laughs> yeah, handwrite your letters. <laughs> and, yeah, but get those with, wax um, envelope sealers. Yeah, wax <laughs> envelope sealers. Write with a quill. Put them on that analog internet. Put it on which there. Is bulletin boards at your coffee shop. Carrier pigeon them over. <laughs> give them to John Hodgman to give to us. <laughs> anything, Draw anything? a picture of your own mustache if you had one. <laughs> I, uh, who first told me about Thrilling Adventure? I, I might have been Paul F. Tompkins. Back when you had just started doing them at M-Bar. The M-Bar was the first yes. incarnation of Thrilling Adventure, right? And this must have been, this must have been ten years ago, almost. almost. Yeah, we've been doing it nine years. So, and we, were, we started at M-Bar in 2005. And he said, you, sh- you absolutely have to do this Thrilling Adventure Hour. Yeah. It's like a serialized sci-fi radio play. <laughs> and, uh, but it wasn't until you guys started doing it at Largo that I actually did it. But what a fucking unbelievable... I mean, to write a show that solid month after month after month after month after month... Uh, what, did the thrilling end up... I'm like, Is it still pretty close to where it started, or did you make... First of all, thank you. Of course. Uh, yeah, no, it's... Um, well, when we, we did a run for five years at M-Bar, mm-hmm. uh, and then when we moved to Largo, we had the chance to uh, reboot... And start from episode one again because those were the ones that would be podcast. And so we had the chance to look at what we'd written for those five years. And um, 
be five years better of writers at it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. like, there were core concepts and world building stuff that that stayed. But then uh, uh, figuring out we didn't have to put every idea we had into every episode, <laughs> uh, making them about one story uh, was really a, a, a way to figure out that we had leveled up. Were the were the original were the initial episodes? Um, was it one massive story, or was it always three stories? Was it always three? The format was always yeah three segments in every hour long ish show, um, and th- yeah that hasn't changed. We used to have a much headier like framing device thing, and then we did a thing for a while where we played with radio tropes. Um, but that all kind of fell by the wayside as we realized, like, we, we don't really need that. People get it. They know they're coming to see a show. Yeah, we would start it with, like, hosts saying, you're about to see a radio show. And mm-hmm. um, a little more Muppet show in that the people, the actors playing mm-hmm. versions of themselves, introducing segments and that kind of bits around that. And yeah. now, now it's much more, um, here's what the show is. We don't have to yeah. tell you it. We- and, and all the performers uh, showing up in somewhat old time, not old timey, but just respectful, dapper suits. Like, kind of dressed for prom. Twee as fuck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's really adventure hour twee as fuck. Shit, yeah. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> yeah, there's some twee motherfuckers. Because people show the audience shows up, a lot of them show up very well dressed too. Mm, like yes. it's a it's a real by the time you had had, you know, five years to workshop at Embar and then it got to Largo, it felt like the there was a pretty rabid community of thrilling adventurers. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Uh, that would, no matter what, just immediately sell out the show because they were just part of this community. Have you, have you, are there people who have been in since the beginning that you see that still come to the shows month in, month in? There are a handful who have kind of been along for the ride who don't come every month because we uh, priced them out when we moved to Largo. Yeah. <laughs> but who, are, who certainly are still invested and like will keep up with the podcast and come to shows when they can. And that's yeah, we had to awesome. rebuild a little when we moved to Largo. Um, a, because the price went up uh, a bunch of times. And, uh, <laughs> and then B, because we were doing those stories that some of them had yeah. already seen. So it was a matter of uh, finding the new, uh, you know, make new friends and keep the old. And yeah. Blah, blah, and a lot, blah, and that kind of, fun. like, we got two big bumps after making the move to Largo, which was now four years ago. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I know. It does right. not feel like four years ago. <laughs> Uh, and the first one was when Nathan Fillion first did our show, which, which was, was when you first did our show, I think. Was that the first time I, I did a show? You and Cardellini and Fillion yeah. and Foley. That oh. was a Christmas show in 2000. Uh, no, no, June. Oh, it was June? Yeah. No, you did a very early one. You played the, the um, I uh, played, waterfowl. I played the waterfowl. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And having and <laughs> having that guest cast, like it was you and Nathan, and he tweeted about it beforehand, and there was a line around the block uh, because and, and a lot of those people stayed for the show, and then when we started podcasting and went on Nerdist Network, Comes people together, found yeah. it. Like we knew the Nerdist audience would like our show. Oh yeah, if they I, knew I mean, about no, it. no question. Yeah, and some so of that the guys. Was a good call, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Well, coods, Chris. It, coods. it seems like if you're making a radio play, that it would be good for a medium that's very similar <laughs> to think. radio. I mean, it is. There are things that you. There are things that you get. Only if you go to the show, mm-hmm. but it doesn't face, face acting. We there's that. there's face acting, but it's but that's just a layer. Yeah. You don't need you don't need it. Per, I mean, it's nice to have it, yeah. but but the comp, but the jokes and the performances completely stand on their own. I mean, it's I, I think thrilling is one of the most beautifully written 
pieces of comedy. But then on top of that, then you have Patrick Brewster and Paul Tompkins right. and Mark Gagliardi and and uh, and, and Annie Savage yeah. and and and, and it's all amazing the, yeah. core cast. Yeah, it's an incredible an incredible cast and Hal and, yeah. and it's a <laughs> it's a it's a it's a great group. Thank you. Thank you. We we love doing this show in large part because of that group. Yeah. Like it's it's what makes it it continues to make it fun for us. Like one, either what can we do to them this month, or two, what can we make them do this month? Like what do we get to see them do? Do you guys have any do you have any involvement in Night Vale or is that not there's nothing to do no, with there, there's just a, supporters? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of cast crossover. Yes, they've poached a lot of our cast. <laughs> uh, no, we're big Night Vale fans. I mean, I feel like when it comes to staged radio plays, <laughs> there's us and there's them. Yeah. Uh, and we're thrilled to be working with them. We're doing a crossover with them at San Diego this year. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Should we ask him on microphone? Oh, yeah. Let's put him on the spot. Let's do it. Do you want to? Um... Hey, Chris. Yeah, Ben. What's up? Uh... <laughs> Are you busy? What's the date? It's it? July 26th, the Saturday night of San Diego Comic-Con. Are you super busy at Comic-Con times? <laughs> um, For like an hour or two or whatever. Do you want to like swing by the Spreckles Theater and maybe like be in a show? Oh, Spreckles, oh, like in the bay? Like in the, mm-hmm. Spreckles is on the, like on the, in the harbor, right? I believe so. Yeah. It's oh. above, it's above water. It's, an, <laughs> it's not, it's You're not. You're just asking me to do an underwater show? If it was a subaquatic theater, that would be... Super ah, the above all my radio play. That would be twee as fuck. Oh, that would be super twee oh, as fuck. Submarines are twee, motherfucker. Oh my god. Should we do a uh, uh, what was my uh, well the waterfowl? I could be the waterfowl like sure. under the water. That's for our next Kickstarter. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> An um, evening with the waterfowl. What time is <laughs> underwater? I believe it's at eight p.m. I've taken some time away from my evil doings <laughs> to perform some of my jazz standard favorites. Here's some of my faves. Try the penne. <laughs> it's divine. Oh my god! I would watch that so hard. <laughs> Witchcraft, <laughs> wicked uh, birdcraft, but he just he just puts a bird into yes. everything, and it's just to make like it it's it. a tick almost. <laughs> Can't help it. <laughs> My sweet embraceable U E W E. It's a bird. It's another bird reference. I like it. Oh no, that's not a bird. That's I meant not... emu. Emu. <laughs> My sweet embraceable <laughs> emu. Still Katie, works. We'll clean yeah. that up in post. <laughs> yeah, that's the water sheep. Katie, clean that. <laughs> Make a note. Water sheep down. Um, <laughs> this is a... Will you please write a Captain Laserbeam uh, episode? Thank you. Yeah. You're making all of the correct. <laughs> he, just, he just really nodded. He nodded super hard. Yeah. So your show's today because I think we're doing. I know we're definitely doing a podcast at the Balboa. Great. But I think it's a 10 o'clock. It'd probably be a 10 o'clock show. And we're in talks to figure out if we can do an at midnight. So what time would that be? Uh... It would actually not be at midnight. <laughs> it would either, it would either be an 8 or a 10 o'clock show. It would not be 11.59 59 seconds. So uh, the answer is... He said is, it live. The answer is... Wipe, wipe, wipe. I would be... <laughs> <laughs> the answer is I would be honored to do that if, um, if, we're not doing, if I'm not doing a show at the same time. Then, of course. Yes, I would, that I would, would be awesome. We'll, we'll try to figure it out. Oh, the, cool. Fucking fantastic. Do you know... Oh, my God. Be... be the Tweeaverse is going to shit their fucking... They're going to shit their gonna, britches because they wear britches. Absolutely. Um, they're going to all shit... Hand stitched, yeah, all hand-stitched? Yeah, all hand-stitched britches. Yep. <laughs> that they monogrammed themselves. 
Unfortunate location for the monogram. <laughs> I am the monogramist. The monogram is a good Captain Laser. Really is. <laughs> Who put this CL on my shirt? <laughs> what a clue! <laughs> it's the monogramist. But then you find out, like. He's not really. A, this doesn't really do anything that that's bad. <laughs> right, you just I mean, the, the idea being that you have the villain construct, but nothing he's doing is really that bad. He's just doing stuff. We tried. What was the episode oh, we tried to do? The episode was like with that. the librarian. That's right. <laughs> the, the librarian was stealing. Um, that was, was so much fun. Was so up to no good in his mind. Keegan Michael Key. Yeah. And it was. Um, he was. I think uh, we did that buying, at San Diego last year. Buying remainder books and giving them to schools. <laughs> I thought it was so devious. Oh, man. I'm going to trick children into reading and liking to read so that they'll spend their lives appreciating books. <laughs> That's fantastic. So did Captain Laserbeam stop him? Uh, no, Captain Laserbeam was like, well, I had to go with it and pretend like, yeah, that's real bad. And <laughs> yeah. don't, don't keep doing I don't, it, I don't please. know if I'll ever be have able to mercy, stop you. Have mercy on, on our souls. I, I guess I'll go. I don't know how many... I must have... I don't know how many thrillings I've done. It must have been a, a, done, a bunch. done a bunch, yeah. but a handful. Well, you're really good at it. No, it, I, I but would you're love, real busy. I would love to do it more, but yeah, but it's uh, it's I'm always uh, yeah. It's always it's always a scheduling thing. Oh yeah, there's so much there's so much fun to do. Um, yeah, I don't know how you do all of the things that you do. Like Ben and I are writing full time on a TV show and then thrilling and comics and stuff and. We have no time for anything else. You do all of the things. Well, I don't know, but I, I feel like uh, writing is one of those jobs that if you're writing something, that you that just that's not something you can do for a half. Like you can't really do that for a half hour at a time. Like <laughs> my schedule is very modular mm-hmm. in that you know we put together the script for at midnight and then we do and then I do a podcast and then we do a rehearsal and then we shoot the show and then I can do another podcast or go do stand up. Yeah. It's I mean if I were if I were staffed on a show. I mean, that's like I would just I would need that eight hours a day just focused on that one thing. I think because yeah. just the way that you well, and this sort of gets us into your podcast, Nurse Writers Panel, which also was uh, also another. I mean, I love watching. I've been to the I've I've been to the podcast before, and people show up with notebooks and they take <laughs> notes. Like it's a it's a it's a master class in, awesome. in writing. Yeah, that, but that's why I did it because it didn't exist, and I wanted it to. In, in, in connection nerd. with A Two Six LA, which yep. is a great uh, organization to show kids that they can be writers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it fosters creativity. Yeah, all the proceeds from Nerdist Writers Panel go to A Two Six LA. So, what did what have you learned about the writing process just from? Because I assume that you're you're probably like I am, where when you have guests on, it's not just because like, oh, I'm just going to entertain people. Like, I got to figure yeah. out how this works. It's great to learn for me because like the stuff that we're struggling with is the stuff that he gets to ask. Yeah, and then you just sort of sneakily, how do you break oh, through? The, it's when not you're sneaky. In an, if you what listen- if your writing partner's name rhymes with yours? <laughs> what people won't shut up about it. What do you do? If you, do you listen to... Is that your Ben Blacker? Yeah. yeah. It's totally accurate. Do you have an Acker? The same one. Oh. That's right. No one can tell us apart. I don't need to. It's fine. It just, yeah, we both answer Ben Acker that. has a little bit of this type of speech pattern. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in our cast has a Ben Acker. <laughs> I don't know Acker. if they've done it for you. <laughs> I'm, sorry you to, I'm sorry you have to the find face. out this way. Uh, so what, what have you... What, what are the um, things that you've I, I wish them well. <laughs> It'll be fun to get a whole new cast in. Um, <laughs> reboot. Uh, I, if you listen to the Nerdist Writers Panel in order, 
uh, you can pretty much trace our career because <laughs> I, I'm early on asking like, hey, if you get a meeting with a showrunner, what, how should you act in that meeting and what should you say? And then it's like, if you have your first job on a show, what, what do you do in the writer's room? But what room? an interesting – because if you, you – know, because as the host of a show, you're essentially the lens through which the listener is, mm-hmm. is um, <laughs> seeing. Uh, you're seeing. Yeah, I crossed over some sensory <laughs> shit. Oh, Chris uh, has synesthesia. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, That's how you taste stage. Well, though. these colors sound great, guys. <laughs> these colors sound great. Um, they smell great. They smell so good. But uh, – so you taking that journey as a person who ostensibly started in a position that a lot of people coming to the podcast might be in when they started, yeah. like that's a really that's a really great journey for, for people to take throughout that that whole process. Because now you've been doing it for three years, maybe? yeah, about three years. Yeah. I started like right before you guys opened the Nerdist showroom. I remember you had just done Thrilling, and I was like, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And we were going to do it at 826, and then 826 was selling tickets, and they forgot to put a cap on the number of tickets, and Damon Lindelof was on the first panel. So it just blew up. So it blew up, and you were like, I'm kind of opening this space, and if you want to use it, that would be cool. Is that your hardware? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good, right? <laughs> I'm kind of a... If you wanna... <laughs> sometimes I can spill over into Furman a little bit. Well, like, I get into Mike Furman a little bit. Uh, all right, what are you going to get in? All right. But that's how I, it came to be on the Nerdist Network, and we recorded them at, the, at Melt, Nerd Melt and all that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it really is just like asking the questions that I want to ask, and so I learn something every time. And the biggest one is the thing that Ben and I kind of talked about from the very beginning which is which we learned from doing thrilling adventure hour which is if you want to write write all the time Mm -hmm. like just do it and enjoy that process and put it out there for the world to see otherwise because a a script sitting in your drawer doesn't do anything for you do you think there's any advantage to writing for something that's um uh, in the medium of audio only because it you can't you can't really rely on anything else other than the jokes and the performances, like and and, yeah. and the vocal performances. In the way that if you you know on a television show you were like, and then they see this happen, and then mm-hmm. there's this crazy prop that activates this joke. I mean, it really is about the jokes and the rhythm of the jokes when mm-hmm. you're just writing for an audio show. Well, I think it also forces you to be very clean about story because there's only so much people can take in uh, when they're listening to something. Uh, as opposed to when they're watching and listening. So stories have to be not necessarily simple, but very clear and very clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's a different kind of listening, like especially uh, in, the, in the stage show. Like there's, a, there's a keen attention that I think is mm-hmm. unique to our show, but it feels to me akin to like, watching a subtitled movie, mm-hmm. where like, you need to pay more attention, you need to be a little bit more invested in um, in that with which you're interacting. There's yeah. So what was there, did, uh, did thrilling, was there ever a period of thrilling where it was dirty at all or was it always <laughs> clean? Uh, we had in our very first episode, um, it, it was Sparks in the Water, Marshall on Mars. It was Beyond Belief. And in the middle, it was our Hollywood noir segment, Tales from the Black Lagoon. And there was the line, Angela Lansbury fucked Elvis. Mm-hmm. Elvis? or Yeah, Elvis. Yes. And it was all about like, Making Angela Lansbury the um, the saucy noir vixen, yeah, femme fatale, and yeah, and it and it stuck out like just in the rehearsal, it stuck out like this. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't yeah. feel earned. Uh, it doesn't feel necessary. It felt like and, a real false note in the hour long piece. 
And so, yeah, there was that, and that went away, and we didn't miss it, and we haven't missed it. We talk about sometimes doing Thrilling Adventure Blue, like a late night <laughs> second show. Thrilling Adventure funny. Late Hour. Well, we want to send Sparks Nevada, our Western hero, to Space Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but, the, but, but, but you, the, the way... Well, yeah. You must have already thought this. The way around that is you just make up swears. Exactly. Yeah, thanks, you make, in you, the thanks to Battlestar yeah, Galactica. Yeah, thanks yeah. to Battlestar Firefly, you can make up all the Go-Ram swears you want, <laughs> you guys, right? But there was... I tweeted something about what were the... What was the... I couldn't remember Frack. <clears throat> I couldn't remember the word for frack. Uh, from, <laughs> the fake word for frack. Right. And so I tweeted something like, what was that, what was that swear from Battlestar? Mm-hmm. And people tweeted other ones that were from the original that didn't make the new. There's oh, some wow. silly convoluted <laughs> swear, And I don't remember them. I don't have them. But if you have a computer with which you're listening to this, then you can <laughs> Google you may, that. You may look this information up. But essentially... It's crazy. You can get away with... I'm, I'm really fascinated lately with the, this comedy mechanism of... Um, setting up a rule and then following it because a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of what will make people laugh is sort of that uh, that note of recognition where they're like oh, I know that thing because there's a I think there's like a I don't know I think there's some sort of a survival like safety thing oh we're all part of the same tribe because I recognize your references and we're mm-hmm. all the same <laughs> I'm safe you're not going to kill me yeah, there's comfort in it but you can create that within a short period of time if you set up a rule and then later on you follow it you know mm-hmm. it's ultimately a callback you know, like you basically it's like oh they're following the thing they set up so <laughs> you you we pretty had, quickly can set those swears up and then they'll pay off oh, yeah. throughout the Absolutely. entire yeah. Yeah, that's fucking we genius had a, we had a, a, that's fracking yeah. genius <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I rejected the anecdote oh okay right. I realize <laughs> it's not a good story no you've rejected your own anecdote yep. you've, you've just self edited yeah. oh wow you don't know it could be a great anecdote <laughs> you don't have to well now that we're building it up I'm sure it's gotta be amazing <laughs> sure yeah no. and now Ben Acker with the most amazing <laughs> anecdote applicable to all things life and love can we put an echo on that when I was born <laughs> and then cut to now go on this is a great show <laughs> here. I was born some other stuff happened and now I'm here right. that's actually that that setting up of rules and following them is another kind of writing trick we've had to learn uh, technique I guess rather than trick trick seems devious um, but well, it's at the expense of the audience <laughs> yeah it's, sorry it's audience. a technique at your expense but I feel like that's something you have to do in order to like like Ben said thrilling adventure is a different kind of watching and listening experience so you have to kind of train ears within the first 10 minutes for how to listen to the show and what are the rules of the world that you're going to be immersed in for the next 20 minutes. Yeah. And having a live audience there is so important because if you've just jumped on the thrilling train and you don't know, uh, you know, you don't know who Sadie is, but then as soon as she opens her mouth and everyone erupts, erupts into applause because she's making, because she's talking about how she needs more booze than ever, then you go, oh, okay, this is a thing. Like yes. the, the, the live audience serves almost as much uh, a, a plot point as Absolutely. the scripted material. Yeah, that's something that's come up a lot in, like, we've been writing comics recently. We've talked to a lot of comics writers and TV people about, like, how much the audience brings to a show and how much the reader brings to a piece and like how you can't discount that. And, and it actually saves you doing a lot of work if you let them do some of the work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause well, you, you, you had an amazingly successful Kickstarter. 
We did. Which and thank you for your help on. Oh no, of course, yes. Yeah. Where uh, you ultimately were. What were all the things that you were making from the Kickstarter? A yarn bomb. <laughs> you can just make that. Those are free. Uh, we made a. 136-page graphic novel, mm-hmm. hardcover. Which is available. available. It's out there. In stores and Eisner shops. nominated. Eisner nominated. Holy shit. Yeah. We're so excited yeah. about it because we are thrilled with how the... Thrilled. Uh-huh. With how the final product came out. It's 10 different artists doing 10 different stories from the worlds of thrilling adventure. If you win the Eisner, that you, when you go up on stage, you have to say... So Angela Lansbury fucked Elvis. <laughs> well, that's in tone with the yeah, that's binding, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> You're the boss, Chris. That's, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I guess if we have to. We have to. Great if you took that seriously. I'm like, I was just kidding. I, I thought I'd we like were to, making I'd like jokes. To think, I'd like to think Chris my parents. Angela Lansbury fucked Elvis. <laughs> um, A gasp from the room. <laughs> that's, um, Stan Lee kills over related. and dies. Oh, if we kill Stan Lee with our Eisner speech, I think it's going to really put the book on the map. I think you're right. I think you're right. Let's go into a third printing. That Angela Lansbury joke has just murdered the Generalissimo. Ah. Excelsior Ex- into that good night. <laughs> True believers. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, we did a behind-the-scenes documentary web series. By the way, if you um, don't ever, if you if you're not ever able to get Stanley, I would love to come on and just do a, ba- a bad Stanley impersonation. That's not a bad Stanley impersonation. It's just all about the intonation. <laughs> it's not so much the vocal quality, but the it's the the delivery as well. I feel like some way. of my impressions are like Dana Carvey impressions, where it's like, eh, there's a, it's not really what you would call a spot on. But those are canon. Here's something. If you go back and listen to the Tales from the Black Lagoon uh, Hollywood Noir trilogy, you can hear Mark Gagliardi do his impression of Dana Carvey's impression of Jimmy Stewart. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that was a little bit like that, wasn't it? It wasn't really. Got him. It must have hotter. (laughs) But recognizable as Jimmy Stewart. Who's been in the, who, what cast? Oh, we also did a concert film. And we also did a concert film. And is that available yet? No. <laughs> post production, no, um, true believers. It's in post production. We signed with a distributor, and uh, <laughs> Kickstarter backers will get their DVDs by the end of the year. We think, depending um, on how the year goes, depending how this year goes. If it winds up being a short year, then no. If they cancel the year in August, <laughs> so uh, what have you learned about? I mean, essentially brand building, right? I mean, this this was just Everybody. started as a live. Let's do a live show at a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But then let's as a goof also, with our friends. Yeah. But yeah. then let's well, let's do this consistently. And oh wow, it be, you know. So I think I think another key here is consistency. Is that you know you can't just do something once every six months and be like yes. I don't know what's happening. Like you, you know, something has to live a lot to evolve quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be aware of how that's evolving. And so when did you start to realize, oh, thrilling is actually a thing that could be a graphic novel, but could also be a concert movie, but could also be this podcast, but could also be, li- you know, like a live touring show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. And, all- and shows that you could spin off as their yeah. own shows. That was originally the impetus. Yeah. One of the, one of the reasons of the we started was to create, you know, we were building worlds um, and to put them on their feet and see what worked and what didn't, what worked mm-hmm. about them as an incubator for ideas that we could take to other media. We always say, like, yeah. Superman works great as a comic, worked as a radio play. There's ten different movies and ten different TV uh, tones, shows, the TV yeah. shows. Like, it's world building, and that's, you know, we're doing the one version of it in in the stage show, and we want to do all the other versions of it, and that includes mm-hmm. comics, a, a medium we love. So it seemed like a good first first step to yeah. take. But um, it was yeah. very attainable 
mm-hmm. in that respect. But yeah, they like we did a, a or we wrote a pilot for Beyond Belief last year and are going to get to shoot something and hopefully it'll go. But like, yeah, part of the design was always to spin these things out into other media because storytelling is storytelling. We just love telling the story. And the media trappings are all different. Like it's yeah. it's great to see. There was one of the pieces in the book. The Moonshine Holler in the graphic novel <laughs> was the only one that was based on an actual episode that we'd done as a podcast. Mm-hmm. And that was to see what changes happen. A, we thought the audience would get a kick out of it because they, yeah. they, they know that episode, they like it, and they yeah. can see something they like. But, but B, like what, what are the differences, concrete differences in storytelling? We've told this story this way, and let's transfer it to another medium and just see, you know... How many words per minute you get? Like, <laughs> sure. like th- we can be really wordy in the stage show because that's yeah. all it is. <laughs> Those are the but only tools we have. You know, there's five to six panels a page for this many pages that were allotted to the story, and see what what has to go and what's necessary to tell us. How did you, uh, how does it how does something like Beyond Belief transfer over to a visual medium? I mean, it, it do you have to tone down some of the, the banter? Yeah. The way we did that uh, was writing minimal banter. Like, here's what, here's the least that you need to tell the story. And then when we do the lettering pass, which is after all the, the frames have been drawn, like all the art after has the been art done, done. Uh, it comes back and we get to see what spaces there are left that we can put in more banter to make it feel mm-hmm. more like the show. So we, we scaled it back and then built it up. Yeah. But uh, it's amazing. Space permitting. Even looking at the, the piece in the graphic novel, the Beyond Belief piece in the graphic novel, how bantery it feels and how much it feels like the show, even though it's probably half as many mm-hmm. actual words as we use in the Because there is show. there is that sort of fun element of not being able to see any of it and, and sort of, mm-hmm. you know, your theater of the mind stuff, mm-hmm. which is, I'd be interested to find out, maybe there's, you know, it sh- shows that when radio shows started porting over to television um, in, the, in the 50s, the 40s yeah. and 50s, like what, what did they take away and like oh we have to take this parts of this story but then we have to leave these other parts mm-hmm. obviously uh the foley artist had to go <laughs> he into was on the set yeah he uh, was on the set you, you, he just had to go into the post-production well part. what was kind of interesting about uh the radio and early tv um is they all kind of worked at the same time and comics too like they all were working at the same time you know like the burns and allen show was on radio and TV, they, they overlapped, as did Dragnet and a few, a bunch of what other. What a great and, and promotion. The, the Thin Man movies were happening on yeah. the radio, like, with, I think, the same actors. Sometimes. Sometimes. They, Hollywood, the Hollywood studios used to do radio versions of their movies, um, like Bringing Up Baby, there's one, Casablanca, there's one, uh, and with sometimes with the same cast, sometimes with a different cast, but these things all existed together, and I feel like we're the Star getting... Wars Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> there were the Star Which... Wars radio shows, though. Yeah, uh, what, what, was it was it was it the Christmas stuff? special they did as a, as a radio play? I know they did a they, they did a TV version. What was the because there was a there was a Star Wars there was a Star Wars radio play yes, that sure. happened, and it it sort of fucked with some of the Star Wars canon. Did it? I, will, I only remember listening to it as a kid. So I, I, I have not. I haven't heard it in. Yeah. A, I think since around that time, so I can't remember exactly. Should we just download it and listen to it right now? For the yeah, I guess we could probably podcast. just do that. <laughs> Is that an inception? Is that what you call it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I always feel like you're never allowed to ask a question about anything ever again. And the answer is always, well, internet. You know, right. like I can never go. What is the name of? Well, just look it up. You have a fucking computer in your pocket. There's no that has eliminated the need for question marks because you don't have to. Uh, yesterday, I tweeted. Um, 
isn't it weird that the only piece of information that is not on the internet is who directed Splash? <laughs> oh, people must have been coming at you. Uh, Carl Ryder. Most. I mean, <laughs> it's right I mean, there. Ron, I mean, Ron Howard. <laughs> it's right there. Multiple tweets. Yeah. It's right there. You could just yeah. look it up. Yeah. No, I don't know. I know. I can't find it. It's not on the. Try, I'm, try IMDb. Uh, I tried it. It's not. It's not on there. It's a, it says it doesn't know. Oh. <laughs> Did a mermaid do? Is it a mer person do? <laughs> Was that well, their yeah, way no, to? It, it would only be right. Otherwise, it's exploitation. Yeah, it's totally. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah. It's Quentin Tarantino or a mer person. <laughs> it's fish exploitation. Uh, there's no, there's no way around it. <clears throat> Quentin Tarantino or totally a mer person. Can do it, man. <laughs> mer person, please. Like it's all just replacing. We're getting into a, an ugly area. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, by all means, let's go to it. <laughs> Django on fishnetted was a great um, <laughs> unhooked. That, I'm unhooked. sorry. See, this is yes. why you're the comedy writer, and, and you're just a guy who says all the comedy. Things. <laughs> yeah, there's your no. Django unhooked was the superior joke. <laughs> well, that's why he gets to do a polish. <laughs> yeah, I'm a great draft twosman. Very yeah. important to have a polish pass. Absolutely. On that's why there are two of us. Well, that must be the. Uh, <laughs> Chris did the Eureka finger. <laughs> <laughs> that must be aha. That must be the that 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 also that element of not being afraid to just write down the first thing that comes into your mind, so that then you can go back. When Furman and I would write together, we we kind of got into this really efficient place where we used to get stuck for days on like one idea or one joke, and then we go, you know what? Let's just put this in here for now, and we can go back and fix it later, and let's move on. We can always find something better later. And most of the time, we did. And some of the times, we were like, you know what? That's the best thing we could think of for that place, so it must be, you know, let's just hope it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's such value in just getting it down mm-hmm. and trusting yourself as a writer to Django figure it out. Unhooked. It doesn't have to be funny till the fifth draft. Yeah. I'm still laughing at Django Unhooked. <laughs> <laughs> the merverson. Mer- Someone right. better do an animation of that. <laughs> I just want to see that trailer. <laughs> well, you could, you could, well, are there things that you... You know, if you if you have to stay within Captain Laserbeam or Sparks or Beyond Belief, are there and Amelia Earhart? Are there other ones that you've wanted to try? Where you're like, shit, it's just not it's not thrilling. I mean, it's not we can't sandwich this thing in because it yeah, there are a handful of things that aren't thrilling. Yeah. That, you know, that are backburnered uh, until we have the time to do them right. Yeah. But we, I mean, there are a handful that are thrilling yeah. that we just haven't had time to write and to work into. The what show. was the most inside joke that you ever wrote? Where you're like, you know what? Four people are going to get this, but we have to do it. Like, there must be Easter eggs throughout the oh, for sure. script. Is there one? Which is kind of amazing, because like we, we work at such a pace that we kind of forget a lot of the stuff. But the fans have created a fan wiki, which is the best reference for us. <laughs> so helpful. It's so helpful. I will go back and look. At, like, I would look for a character's name just yeah. to find it and then go, oh, Red Plains Rider's colorblind. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay, we said that one time. It, yeah, and it was for a joke in that episode, mm-hmm. but it's canon now. Yeah. Um, so that is by far the best thing. And that you, is, they find all the Easter eggs, they find all that stuff. It's awesome. Do you have to respect all that canon, or do you, is, it, is it just sort of comedy? Generally, first? do. Yeah, you, we try. Yeah. If we can. We, we Especially killed, we killed a baby. <laughs> yes, we, we had forgotten a, we, about that. We wrote a pregnancy uh, into an episode, and then uh, in, the next time we saw those characters, we had forgotten it. Oh no! <laughs> so that was so, before the fan wiki. <laughs> well, yeah, but I've I learned about it yeah. from the fan wiki, and they were so like it was it was nice to know the hearts of our fans because in the conversation about it with the fan I was having on Twitter, 
they were like, well, just next time you see them, have, a ba- have, have them had a baby. And my thought was like, I'm just kill the baby. <laughs> I killed a pretend baby, like in the expression about writing. Oh, I thought of so some a couple of in jokes, which are really at at the smallest, just for the two of us, <laughs> and at the most for us and the Todd Cooper who pulls our curtain mm-hmm. is like. Naming a character Todd mm-hmm. uh, as homage to him and making him a curtain puller or any curtain-related jokes are for the three of us. Uh, and the phrase work friends, mm-hmm. uh, which yes. Ben and I cracked ourselves up, uh, I think when we were writing on Supernatural, mm-hmm. that we came up with the term, oh, we're, we're not really friends, we're just work friends. <laughs> I was the work <laughs> best man at his fun. wedding. <laughs> <laughs> made ourselves, and it's made its way into the show a number of times. But even Work Juice, who is our fake oh, sponsor, yeah, that's is the insult. innest of in-jokes. We wrote a terrible, well, not terrible, but useless Drew Carey spec yeah. start, uh, in 2099, something yeah. like that. Uh, in 2099? We are going to yeah. have written it in the future. Okay. <laughs> um, no, in 1999, or the year 2000, the future, the noted future, mm-hmm. uh, we wrote a Drew Carey spec, mm-hmm. uh, and there was, uh, it was a body-switching episode. Like you're supposed to do in all your specs. By the way, all of this is unnecessary knowledge for this joke. One of them was posing as the other one because yeah. they had switched bodies in order to get him into trouble. Did Drew Carey switch bodies with Angela Lansbury so he could fuck Elvis? That's, <laughs> that's on real Elvis. life. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, anyway, so the one said that, that they were staying up late, staying late in the office licking the work juice off of phones, and it was just the grossest <laughs> weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we, were, we had written a pilot about a coffee shop, and we couldn't come up with a good name for a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Ground Zero is as close as mm-hmm. it came, and then 9-11 happened. <laughs> Shut that down. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but the terrorists had, went again. <laughs> right. We can't have fake coffee shops anymore. Yeah, boy, that just, they, they covered all the bases. But anyway, work um, juice, I think, was the punchline. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I called coffee work juice at one time when we were meeting, uh, mm-hmm. and you laugh, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to stick." <laughs> and then it just became this thing. It became a word for coffee so what, for us. So, what are all the things that you guys have written on? <laughs> I mean, you see, so you besides mentioned thrilling adventure. Besides thrilling adventure, um, it, uh, obviously, I, I think people would be delighted to know that you worked on Supernatural because yes. I think a lot of people. We, I mean, we, I've had Supernatural folks on the podcast with before. the great Ben Edlund. We wrote, yeah, yeah. and I, and I, I've known Eric Kripke for. He's great for decades. I mean, I, I knew Eric Kripke when we were all right out of college. We did a no way. We all were. Eric Kripke was a um, he was a he was an AD on a this other guy that I met basically had raised all this money right out of USC Film School to make this this fake. 80s comedy in the mid 90s. Awesome. Uh, it's sort of in the vein of like Hot Dog the movie mm-hmm. and all these. So it was sort of it was making fun of paying homage to those films. Mm-hmm. And um, and Kripke was uh, the first AD on that. I've known him oh, for, forever. Wow. Um, and so it was. It's it's so mind blowing to me that he's now created like one of the biggest yeah. sci fi shows in the history of sci fi television. Like ten years now, right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, so, so you guys worked on Supernatural. We worked on Supernatural on season seven, uh, which was a blast. Mostly, as Ben said, because we got to work with Ben Edlund, uh, who is you know created The Tick, mm-hmm. and uh, was, he worked on genius, like Angel, you know? and he's been around um, yeah. and Firefly. It was amazing to watch him. And work. all the people over there were great. Yeah, they really the, were. It was a the, great group of writers. The group of writers were like, it was really nice. The, Did they you just watch him type? Really. No, they watched us type. <laughs> we would have if we could have. <laughs> it was neat. Uh, we worked at the same time on Super Ninjas. Mm-hmm. We did a freelance episode of a Nickelodeon show that was totally Adam West Batman for kids. Yeah, awesome. It was really, really fun. fun. Um, and we went to the set of that once. 
when they were shooting our episode. And there were two sides to go on. One where they did the, the teen bits and the other where they were ninjas. And it was just all stuntmen and a Matrix and, stunt and coordinator. Darth and Ray, and Ray Park <laughs> was, was the villain in the episode. Yeah. So it was amazing because it was just a whole room devoted to this giant kung fu fight that was all pros. And so amazing. like just watching them do this thing in this room. And they were like, now we want to show you the kids. We have seen kids before. We want to watch these people punch each other over things. <laughs> these guys are like swinging from overhead lights and crashing mm-hmm. chairs over each other. It was How so did you cool. guys meet? The two of us? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we met at Syracuse University where nice. we both attended school. My cousin, um, my mother's cousin's son, so once removed or whatever, was his best friend in high school. Yeah. But we didn't know each other then. And but I was shortcutting that meeting right. story. But in that, that idiot who was my best friend in high school never said, hey, my good friend Ben Blacker, I you have know, a cousin named Ben Acker. You know, that is weird. Isn't hey, that ben, crazy? Ben Acker, you know what is strange? My friend is named Ben Blacker. Never said anything. He's the only person to refrain from pointing out our <laughs> exactly. name similarities no, what, could have introduced what's us. What's amazing is that your names together sound like... Like a radio show writing team that then yes. went to work on Jack Benny or <laughs> exactly. your show of shows. Like, mm-hmm. we got to get Acker and Blacker in here. Those guys will fix up any script. Bring in the Benz. Yeah, bring in yeah. the Benz. Mm-hmm. Bring in the Benz. Uh, we wish it still worked that way. Yeah. That would be amazing. Well, oh, we used, to get, we used to lose jobs all the time because yeah. they were like, someone will hire you with those names. What? Why, why don't, don't you do it? Why don't you show them how it's done? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not us. Not the Simpsons, thank you. It's too weird. <laughs> I think you're... Fa- I, I, I feel like the Simpsons would be a very hard job it's because there's no... There, I mean, talk about... I mean, they, they essentially... They, I think they've just had to abandon canon at this point because they're just oh, yeah. out of... They, re, they rejigger the, the pasts every 10 years. They have, yeah, to. They have to. They have to. Here's, here's how to fix it. I'll just, for free, fix The Simpsons yeah. by, for better or worsing it, <laughs> let them yes. grow up. Oh. Spend the next 10 years that way. Yeah. You get, yeah. That'd yeah. be amazing. But I, don't, I don't know if they'll be doing that show for another 10 years. I think they should. <laughs> you really with, think with this brilliant idea <laughs> yeah I mean because it's it, We've when, seen you, them when you go back kids. and you like in the earlier episodes when they would do the flashback episodes it was like yeah. when you know when Homer and Marge because Homer is in the 70s right mm-hmm. yeah the, in the 70s and then when uh, when Bart was born it was like a young Joe Piscopo taught us how to laugh it was like all the like Bart's Bart now Bart and Lisa should theoretically be um, in about 30 <laughs> yeah. Now they would have been born in like 2005. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now they would have like their their birth because all the they, they just basically had to slide. It's funny to see them with iPhones, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. But it's like I mean, those writers are so sharp and so savvy that they're doing basically what comic books did. Like they're doing what Spider Man did. In mm-hmm. you know, it does freak me out though. Selective continuity. To I mean, I started watching The Simpsons when I was a kid, and and now. And, and Homer is 38 on the show, which is fucking crazy. So you were Bart, and now you're Homer. <laughs> Sunrise, soon sunset. You'll, soon you'll be Grandpa. <laughs> uh, oh, well, no. well, your middle is crusty before you're Grandpa. <laughs> or will, or will. <laughs> and, Isn't and, that the journey we all make? <laughs> Yeah, from the riddle of the Sphinx. <laughs> yeah. What's Bart in the morning? <laughs> you middle is crusty. That's fucking amazing. Not before inaccurate. you get to before you get to Abe Simpson. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that but but having to keep up with I mean there's just I don't know. I just there's just no more story. I mean how, 
Any more stories to tell? Ah, they get new writers, and those guys. Yeah, Marge have stories. gets a new coat. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sequels to the first twenty-five years of stories. Oh man, another Springfield Film Festival. Exactly. You know what? I right, but it's it. digital now or something. But the the Simpsons movie was after like oh, twenty yeah. years, right? And yeah, they saved great. up some stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it really. Was, like, it I feel really like was. they could they could do another one of that. That was fun because they got to. They finally, you know. Like, they got to swear a little bit. <laughs> yes. Nudity. Bart's dog was in the opening, <laughs> was which so was a ridiculous. little off-putting. But, uh, but ab- like, I love that they just went for it on on everything for that movie. Showing, I mean, because, you know, that show was incredibly cutting edge at one, at one point. Like, it, there was nothing else like that on television in the early 90s. Yeah. They still probably show the best... Um, just group mentality, groupthink thing, mm-hmm. or they did in those episodes. Just when the town would have an opinion on something. Yes, yes, it was always my favorite stuff. Is that it, what's your sort of ultimate? Obviously, I mean, it'd be fun to create something and then have that be a show. <laughs> but if you could, it, what are, are there shows that you like? Fuck, it'd be really great to. Yeah, we sat in. A, we had a meeting with uh, FX one time mm-hmm. where they asked what show we'd want to work on on there on their air and we just chanted justified pumping our fists in the air for like 17 (laughs) minutes just justified archer justified Um, does everything that we want to do in tv where like there are these sprawling stories but there are very small moments there are there's character it all comes from character everything comes from so you're not necessarily motivated by comedy even though you No, i mean we love comedy and like parks and rec does the same thing we Mm -hmm. love parks and rec parks Um, and rec and justified same show same exact show just I mean, different sides of the coin. Yeah. Like the the tertiary characters could be spin off, spun off into their own shows. That's how strong they are, and that's how strong their points of view are in both of those shows. And that's that's the thing we respond to. Yeah. So, what types of shows are you pitching when you're pitching shows? We've typed. We've pitched all types. We've sold hour long pilots. We've sold half hour pilots. We've sold animated half hours. Like. Everything. Sketch. We did. Yeah, we, we, show, did we sold sketch a sketch. Show. Show. We had a, we, a guy from Fox came to Thrilling Adventure back in the day, and they were looking to find something to replace Mad TV. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, "I think you guys are too smart for Fox." <laughs> and we we're like, "No, we, we trust <laughs> trust me, we are not." And then they they got a sketch packet from us, and we included a um uh, <laughs> a, a, an NPR theme park. There you go. Part of the thing because we thought like making fun of NPR like having fun with that that'll we, show how stupid we are right we are dumb like and our reps at the time said um are, are you including an npr sketch <laughs> to the people who thought you were too smart and, uh, it see? but see Wait, look we're dumb is look, that we're where, dumb we're doing is it. that where uh, was it called n park uh npr world npr world and it had we had the idea of uh actors walking around with characters big foam like big foam head. characters but it was was that where rizdal and the his doll came from yeah, <laughs> yeah a, t-shirt, a t-shirt you could buy Uh, There was one other really great joke in that. I forget what it was. Uh, Some name of a roller coaster or something like that. Have you ever thought about doing, like at at Meltdown, just having people come on and just read pilots that never got sold? We really should. We've talked about doing that. (laughs) I think somebody does that show. Like a failure yeah. show or something. Because <laughs> I've been, I'd been, I'd, I'd talked to Paul Fee a couple times about doing his oh, episode yes. of Alf. I listened to that on the episode that you guys did, and I thought, oh my god, I have to get in touch with Chris because I want to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun to do a recurring show where you, I mean, it'd probably have to be a monthly show because it'd be a little bit of a production, yeah. but um, that'd be so much. But like staged readings of failed stage, pilots. stage readings of failed pilots, like yeah. where Done. you have the or writer, specs. you have yeah. the writer come in, the showrunner, and go like, you know, I pitched this to CBS, and you know, they said. 
said this or this or this, yeah. and this is why it didn't go, but... But here it is. And, and even they should even be comfortable if they're also terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, like whether or not For they're sure. really great or really terrible. And invite development executives. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay, you're, no, 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 no. You're reaching too hard for the grail and you got to let it go. You, you have to. Listen, Thrilling Adventure Hour is a full time job. We couldn't possibly have another. <laughs> that is not. Shut true. your dumb face. <laughs> shut it up. Shut it off. Shut all this off. We, we just make millions from it. No, <laughs> faces etc <laughs> shut these faces off uh, shut it down was the question what have we written on because we also wrote some comic books we wrote some comic books uh, we're writing Thunderbolts for Marvel right now and we're writing on the Puss in Boots uh, DreamWorks series for Netflix uh, which will air sometime and some of us are writing for Wits the NPR show nice hmm. um, and then uh, so thrilling is you're, there's no breaks you're still every month Still every month. We take every July off to go do Comic-Con. But we've been doing like crazy touring shows. For the past three, four months, we've been kind of doing two shows a month. One here in L.A. and one on the road. We did Seattle. We just got back from Chicago. It's Um, a tough show to tour, though, because it's just like the the economics of touring is very, you know, when... Some, you know, when people go, why are ticket prices? They're like, well, because... There's a hundred people in the country. Well, yeah, and not only that, but, you know, the... uh, the size of the vet, like the venue has to be a certain size mm-hmm. and quality to handle absolutely uh, what you guys are doing. And then, and then the better the venue, the more expensive that becomes. And so mm-hmm. you have to moving, just like taking all of the, the production costs, like the talent travel costs and lodging costs out of the equation. is yeah. just, just to turn the lights on and put on this show, you know, it's like $14,000 or some, <laughs> exactly. some sort of crazy number that you have to hit. Yeah. And it's been, we've been kind of teaming up with conventions that are going on. So we did Emerald City and we just did C2E2. Yeah. And that's really helped uh, because part of the thing with touring thrilling, besides the size of it, is, you know, we have a great, big, huge, <laughs> we have a great audience. Um, <laughs> but it's not like we're not a name brand. You know, uh, so we have to kind of stack the deck a little bit and bring some celebrity names. I mean, we invited you to uh, Seattle, I believe. Yes. Uh, And like, but and, you know, you you were busy, but we got some some names to come with us. Uh, And we did that just now in Chicago. So that kind of sweetens the deal for a lot of people. Um, Well, you also sort of figured the same thing that we figured with podcasts, which is, you know, rather than trying to find a bunch of people in a city that happen to like the show to all come out on one night. Let's just yeah. set it up near where these people will be gathering because mm-hmm. it just is more efficient. It's just easier that way. Absolutely. Then because no matter how much you promote a show, <laughs> if there's no other event around it and you don't really have the budget to do a ton of media uh, press, media coverage, mm-hmm. you'll still promote the shit out of it and then you'll leave and then someone will be like, Hey, when are you going to be in Chicago? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we actually I didn't, got I didn't like the shut day up of about the show. It. I talked about it for weeks. But we the cons are really fun too because like we Ben and I we love stuff. We are fans of stuff, so we love doing these cons anyway. And I think we tend to make a lot of new fans at cons because we give our our cast is charming and hilarious, and they give good panel. Uh, we mm-hmm. had one girl at this Chicago oh, con. She will be which pleased that you're talking, talking about her. I hope she listens to this. Uh, who during the Q and A portion of the Thrilling panel. Adventure Hour panel got up? She was like the fifth or sixth in line, and she said, "I don't really know what this is. <laughs> I, I came, recognize. I, yeah, I came because yeah. of Molly. I came because of Molly. Molly Quinn Molly was Quinn. with us, uh, and Tim Amundsen. She knew. She's like, I know you guys." 
but this seems to be some sort of radio play. <laughs> We're like, oh yeah, at the beginning of these panels, we should probably say what the show is. <laughs> that is a good lesson. Thank you. So people, because sometimes, but she really put it together. She really did. Context and clues were she, awesome. She, te- she uh, <laughs> tweeted, tweeted at yeah. us to say, hey, I've checked out the show. I really like it. And it was very sweet. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah, because sometimes when you're doing panels, people can be squatting for other mm-hmm. panels. Um, and so well, you, we don't allow that. But, uh, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Ben clears the room. Oh, he <laughs> does. Just, uh, just <laughs> you don't have to go home. <laughs> I probably can't go home. Um, but uh, some of the guests, you know, who, who are some of the guests that you've had that you... We feel. Of course. Uh, and... Like, everybody in the cast, ourselves included, the first time he did the show, turned into our 13-year-old selves. <laughs> Whatever age you were when you first heard Weird Al, that's mm-hmm. when you become around Weird Al. He did not have this story, but it would not be out of the question for him to have this story. <laughs> hey, you know when you go to a bank and everyone smiles at you and elbows each other and points at you and they're glad <laughs> to see you? And sometimes the pens don't work. Like, everybody is glad to see Weird Al yeah. every place he goes. I, and he's as nice and talented as you want him to he's be. He's wonderful. He's, an, he's a, he is a wonderful man. And um, we had just become friends around 2009. And uh, Rob Zombie was shooting the, H, the sequel to the Halloween, mm-hmm. to his Halloween franchise. And, um, and he called me and he said, okay, so Loomis's character has kind of gone off the deep end and he's sort of bought into his own shit. And he's, he's kind of reached a point where he's 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 buying his own hype and so he goes on a talk show and i want you to host the talk show but who would be another amazing person to sit him in between to ridicule him and i go well i've just become friends with weird al and he was like you have to call weird al (laughs) so i call weird al on like a friday and i said do you want to go to atlanta on sunday and shoot a halloween movie with rob zombie uh (laughs) and malcolm mcdowell and he was like Sure. Yeah. And so if I was going to do it, it anyway. So, so we traveled together. So we fucking traveled together. Huh? We flew to Atlanta together. And going through the airport with Weird Al, it's just like this sea of heads. Like, <gasps> at, But one like TSA guy was like, oh, shit, Kenny G. Like, which I thought was <laughs> amazing. Awesome. Which I thought what was is, amazing. Which what said. is his luggage like? Uh, it's regular luggage. Mostly accordion cases. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget, and this is one of my favorite things about living in Hollywood and being part of the Nerdist fan- family, was there was some Nerdist party, uh, and Weird Al was talking to Rob Zombie, mm-hmm. and they both look exactly how you think they look. Yep. <laughs> and I just looked over like, oh, I, I like it here. <laughs> this is awesome. This doesn't happen anywhere else. I know. That was the same party where like Bill Nye showed up. Yes. And it, it just it started throwing fists. Just yep. fucking beat the shit out of everyone. <laughs> Science, motherfuckers. Here's uh, the Newtonian law. And then he would deliver a punch to the face. A nigram, he calls it. <laughs> Bill Nunch, science punch. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Weird Al was, is still the big one. You know, we love comedy. Wait for it. I'm, I'll take this opportunity I'm to filling. apologize. I'm sorry I um, told you to shut your faces Thank off. Thank you. I appreciate what? it. What? Yeah. what? Oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. It's Keep important. your faces. Give us an apology cookie? <laughs> yeah, take one of those. <laughs> yeah, Everybody both, eat, eat of the apology cookie. <laughs> right? It's Passover. Somewhere, I would love right? to. Uh, somewhere. <laughs> no, you're just applying the somewhere it's 5 o'clock so people can start drinking to Passover. Yeah. yeah. But it's totally not accurate. It's Passover. I mean, it's, I guess if you're talking. It's talk- always Passover. Okay, if you're talking about alternate universes. <laughs> yep. Not in some universes, it's always always Passover in some universe. In that Passover universe. Yeah, where it's all Passover. Talk all about a Jew-run universe. I mean, seriously. They control the media and the government and... Time and space. All time and space in that universe and all the planets. Enjoy every matzo. Yeah, they do. Um, 
I'd love to be in a writer's room. I would love to be a part of your writing process. Is it fun or are you guys intense? No, we are. It's, We're it's super fun. fucking intense. It's fun. Fun tense? <laughs> no, it's fun. It's the, for me. It's the most fun part of doing thrilling and really all the writing we do is when Ben and I sit down to break a story. Yeah, because it's the discovery process, and like we'll both have dumb ideas and we'll both have smart ideas, and it's fun sifting through. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, so but yeah, come join our writers' room. We're to, we're so game. It's yeah, it's at a coffee shop near you. <laughs> Great. We actually like we have we've had guest writers a bunch in the past couple of years, uh, mostly for holiday shows of thrilling, like Len Wein and Ed Brubaker and Doug Petrie, Glenn David Gold. It's been those awesome. are real writers. Though. They're real writers. Yeah. But like we are always hitting up Paul to come because we love comedians. Mm-hmm. You guys have great ideas. To be like, come sit in on this thing, and you guys I never have time, but come sit in on. Uh, I would love to. Yeah, we'll totally to. do it. It'd be a blast. Just do it after this. Yeah, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. We can. I may not be on tomorrow. We'll do it tonight too. You're fucking crazy. I, don't, I mean, I don't need to tell you how to live your life. But it's good. <laughs> yeah, When's like, the last time you had a Ferris Bueller vacation from one writing thing to come do another writing thing? You have like Friday at five a.m. off, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. So I can come by. That yeah, Perfect. I'll take a Ferris Bueller vacation, and then from the three one of us, thing. we'll just get in uh, your dad's Ferrari. <laughs> and uh, oh, you should see Acker's dad's Ferrari. It's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And nice. Yeah. And he um, doesn't keep it in a big glass thing, so he can't. <laughs> yeah, he's more smart than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's smarter than that. No, he's, he's one or two smarter than that. Uh, essentially, um, Cameron Fry lived in the trees. <laughs> they were Ewoks. I think they were, they were oh, yeah. rich Ewoks. There was a crazy ramp down from the tree that you could... Take the car. Yeah, I don't know why they were. They were some sort. This is some sort of weird. It was like they were the, Jetson fans. That's what it was. <laughs> or uh, Flash Gordon. Like there was a tree. They were the the tree people who had to do the ritual. Yes. Yeah. Where they'd stick their arm in the log. That Ooh. I still strangely have nightmares about. Something about that scene always freaked me out. When you see that stuff as a kid, it will fuck you up forever. Uh, the, we, uh, the large march thing. Yes. Oh yes. Is um yeah that the is the name in my head for that trope. Is there any more perfect movie than Pee Wee's Big Adventure? <laughs> oh, and any worse commentary track. Oh, what, really? Uh, the commentary yes. track is, is Tim Burton and Pee Wee Herman, or Paul Rubens, I'm not sure. I think it's Paul Rubens, not Pee Wee Herman. I'm not sure. But they, they, uh, they are just sitting there watching the movie, and Tim Burton will go, remember when we did this? Yeah. And, and Paul Rubens will go, yep. And then <laughs> Tim Burton will say, this one was like a Western. And yep. And then they, like, now, go to me, that sounds movie. pretty great. Because you really want them talking over the whole movie. You've yeah. already seen the movie. Yeah, you know as a the co- movie. As a, as so because then it's like you're watching it with them. It's almost like you're watching them <laughs> yes. sitting in the row behind them, but instead of going, shh, excuse me, please, you're like, that's fucking Tim Burton and Paul Rubens. I actually shush the commentary track. <laughs> shh, guys, please. A little respect for your movie. Come on, guys. Come on, you've seen this. <laughs> but, but they added no like anecdotes. It yeah. was just like, this is that scene with the car in it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I love a commentary like, track, and yeah. all of Tim Burton's are like that. They're so boring, and the, you want them to be so awesome. The commentary track feels like uh, Hearst and his wife just sitting there <laughs> with newspaper. You know what would be a lot of fun is, I mean, this, this, this isn't, I, I don't think this dips too much into MST waters, but if we were to take a, an old movie and basically do the commentary track as though we made the film. <laughs> And just come up with a bunch of, that. you know, oh, yeah. so that it's not stories I mean, uh, about Yeah, them. like uh, the, the Mystery Science Theater uh, model is just a bunch of disconnected jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but this would I be... I had this thought recently, which was, 
like as they try and sell you Star Wars every couple of years on new Blu-ray DVD, like the only way I would buy a new a, a new version of Star Wars is if there was a commentary track of you and Patton yeah. talking about it while you're watching. Well, that, that was like the spaced ones were mm-hmm. so great when the spaced DVDs came out. They had commentary tracks with Patton with Quentin Tarantino, Diablo Cody. Was Diablo Cody one? But they were mm-hmm. really cool because they were fans of the show. They were just talking, talking about, about the show. That's a great idea. Really, with Edgar Wright. and, and So these are two slightly different ideas, but both totally yes, workable. But I like the, the fake uh, yeah. commentary track. Because then that way, then you can actually cast, and you can get the Paul Tompkins of the world to play characters really like, when I directed it, <laughs> and then it just make, make it as ridiculous as mm-hmm. possible. We did so one of our uh, Kickstarter rewards was Paul offered to do commentary tracks in character. As uh, Werner Herzog? Uh, right? He had three of them. He had Cake Boss, he had uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Werner Herzog. And the person who bought the reward could pick the movie, and Paul would record the commentary track in character uh, as one of those guys. And uh, I have not heard them, but I understand they are hilarious. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I, I would buy that reward. Did he, one of his stand-up specials, I think he did the Spanish-language track. That if you adjust it to SAP, it's him saying everything with an accent. <laughs> That's brilliant. He is truly the best of us. Oh my god! His Paul Tompkins is, without a doubt, his his comedy brain is. I mean, it, I'm I'm not jealous of it in in a negative way, but I'm just <laughs> jealous of it in a holy yeah. shit! What an amazing. You just marvel at his where, skill where, and like where he's able to pull from. Yeah, it's just a much wider universe than us mere mortals. Also, he's a nice guy or whatever. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's God all talented and nice. That's, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, I thought you said God rest his soul. I thought you said go ram. I thought you were doing a callback to our swears. <laughs> go ram that guy. Go ram that guy. <laughs> go ram that frag and frag. I wish I knew all of the what was it Chinese Japanese swears Dirty that knees. they had. I don't know what it was. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with that. I'm sorry. I thought you were going with a, a, a bad, I, semi-racist child. I don't Chris, know you're American. Chris, idiot. open the fridge. What? Would, would you open the fridge? Sure. Would you, would you get a Coke? Sure. Open that Coke. Oh. Hey! No, no, just open it. Okay. <laughs> what happened? No, 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 it just, tastes weird. Yeah, no, that's, 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 I just want you to have a nice cold <laughs> okay, Coke. Good, good, good. Well, this yeah. is sponsored by Coca-Cola, right? <laughs> Everybody open your fridge and have a nice cold Coke. <laughs> That's their slogan. Yeah. Right? They were smart. Yeah. Which they are. Our sponsors are brilliant. Yeah. Right. Buy, buy, a, buy a Coca-Cola. Someone's going to have to make work juice at some point. It's made. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <gasps> I know you didn't really ask. Um, well, that's the time we have for we, oh. uh, we were working with um, this guy who's designing a lot of our merch, and he got an actual coffee roaster in Nebraska, mm-hmm. I think. They sent us samples to try the different yes. blends, and we decided which one was the word juice. And true to our fake slogan, <laughs> it actually is the most caffeine dense legally available <laughs> on the marketplace. It's great coffee, but you do not need a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> like it actually is that thing that we thought that's a thing to say. Uh. Yeah. That's fantastic. So uh, what else do you guys, do you want to promote anything else while you're here? Let's promote, uh, yeah, May 10th is our big show. Um, big New York. Big New York. We're going to Town Hall in New York. We are pulling out all the stops. Um, Putting in new stops, taking them out. Yes. Pulling them right out. So can it. we expect any stops? 
Uh, we'll see. It may be a it stop will, for There show. will be one stop at the end. <laughs> okay. What, are you going to be planning on pulling that out at any time? No, we're just going to end the show at a certain point. Oh, okay. Before the stop has to be pulled out. No, right then. Some stops are too There's difficult one, to pull mm. out. So how um, will we promote of, this show? Who's in it, Most of the Benjamin? players will be there. Uh, Paul, Padgett Brewster, Busy Phillips, uh, Mark Evan Jackson. Almost the whole cast will be there. And then our New York crew, John Hodgman, Jonathan Colton, Ira Glass. What? Yeah, Ridiculous. Uh, and he will be playing something just as dumb this time as he played yeah, last time. He played an evil elf last time. Pitch him NPR World. <laughs> yes. You know, he will steal it. <laughs> That's true. He will open up that theme Eve. park. Um, and then we got uh, Scott Ackerman, uh, Zachary Levi, and Dick Cavett oh, to come do this show. Awesome. Plus even more people like Paul and Storm, Terry Kinney. It's going to be a crazy fun show. Uh, and thrillingadventurehour.com for tickets to that and all links to all of our upcoming shows. And podcasts. And oh, and else. depending on when this comes out, either the backstage web series will be on Nerdist.com yes. or it will have just been on Nerdist.com. Yes. Uh, and, and it'll be every week for... I think, we had you guys make a little bit of footage backstage at some of the shows just mm-hmm. to sort of... Just to give people a little glimpse of, yes. of our Kickstarter. Behind the curtain. Um, but it's, it's beautiful. Everybody yeah. did an awesome job. I'm so excited about it. It makes me love the show as if I'm not part of it. Yeah. Uh, which is what we wanted. So I think people will dig it. Y'all motherfucking merpersons know how to be twee <laughs> as fuck. Twee as fuck. Twee as fuck. Right. Enjoy your yarn burrito. <laughs> so serving a burrito in a, in a yarn, in, yarn oh. in a crocheted pouch. That's mm. the tweest as fuckest thing you can do. And it's also a bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> come, to, come to Taco Uke. <laughs> nice. Megaron for the butter. <laughs> just trying to do the... All right, that's the end. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Benz. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, Wait, I ruined your podcast. Who's talking now? <laughs> I can't even tell. Who's... Blacker as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Make the t-shirts. I'll buy a blacker as fuck t-shirt. <laughs> Are we still recording? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, then I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> then I won't. <laughs> Poor Katie. Good job, Katie. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.